Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And last week, I introduced you to a new friend, but this week, I'm introducing you to an old friend. Corey, that's not an insult because I think that you know. Oh, I'm old. I'm no old. Matter, I'll take yeah, it. But, but no matter how old you get, I will always be older is the thing. That's fair. That's fair. I, can't, I can't catch you. Yep. Yeah. So lately, I have been having the thought that so many times I'm talking with a couple and either he's put out because she's not interested in sex with him or she's put out because he's not interested in sex with her. And so oftentimes it is a matter of one of them is shooting themselves in the foot and they just don't see it. And okay. sometimes I have had thoughts of, you know, maybe I should write a book one of these days of like the 10 reasons why he really doesn't want to have sex with you. The 10 reasons why she doesn't want to have sex with you. I thought if I'm going to unpack this, I need to start with a podcast and I couldn't think of a better expert to invite on to talk about this issue than Dr. Corey Allen. Corey and I go way, way back to an era called, well, then the era was called Sexy Marriage Radio. Now the new era is called. Oh, it's still Sexy Marriage Radio. We just refer to the audience as the SMR nation. So Sexy Marriage Radio nation. I knew that the word nation was in there now. Right. So Corey, I assume that in the work that you do, you also see people really self-sabotaging oh, without yeah. even being aware that they're shooting themselves in the foot. Well, as my mother used to call it, cutting off your nose to spite your own face. Right. Yeah. So talk to us about some of the ways that people self-sabotage their relationship. Well, I think there are so many. <laughs> we probably need to just pick a few mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're talking about Only maybe a 30 the, minute show, pal. Yeah, Maybe you do the top 10 and th- that would even be limiting it of, <laughs> of what are all the different ways. Um, because even if you, as you set the framework to this whole conversation, I think we'd have to start to talk about um, one of them might just be the way we perceive things because we look at it through the way we would want it. Right. That we think that our spouse is an extension of ourselves, even though we know they're not. And so I can look at it through this lens that, well, this is the way I see it. And so that's what they, they think too. And the, the first one that jumps to my mind, Shannon, is just this whole concept of when you hear the word intimacy and what that one word means, right? Because even between you and I, I mean, cause we've got a lot of conversations and a lot of just experiences. If you think of our time together on the show, our collaborating and, and just talking off the air that even the way you define intimacy is going to be different than the way I define intimacy. Sure. We've right? had different lives, different totally. perspectives. Mm-hmm. But I think you can get into this whole concept of, I mean, I love the, the whole, if you frame it with this idea of if it's a, a couple that, you know, they're, they, they have coworkers before the, uh, you know, before that weekend and they've each told the coworkers, Hey, we've got date night coming up this weekend. Right. And mm-hmm. so woman, the wife returns to, sc- to work the next Monday and they're like, Hey, how did, how'd the weekend go? And, she, and she's like, Oh, it was great. We were intimate for like four hours. And they're like, Oh, that's so awesome. You know? Cause she's talking to a girlfriend. And so it's just, you think nothing of it. And if a guy shows up to work and the dude's like, Hey, I heard you had a good week, you know, a, a date this weekend. How'd it go? It's like, great, man. We were intimate for like four hours. His response is probably going to be liar. You know, just because we often think of that word 
as it, it equates to sex, that that's what you're talking about. And yeah. intimacy is so much more than that. And so oftentimes men use sex as a measuring stick of the quality of the time that we spend together is based on whether or not we had mm -hmm. sex. And for a woman, sex is kind of what they do in order to get his attention and to feel bonded and connected so that she can then have the more quality time together. Right. Yeah. So, so even there, you're putting quality time under the umbrella of intimacy. <laughs> yeah, not saying right? that sex wasn't quality time. No, well, maybe, <laughs> but in maybe her it was. Mind, it's not enough. Okay, but maybe it was really bad sex. We're not even talking about that whole concept. So, <laughs> it's it is instead, in the realm of possibility. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, because I have, I have a different viewpoint in the sense that I think a lot of married couples they settle for lousy sex thinking that it's good, that it's functional mm. rather than what is true intimate sex actually look like? And what does true follow the connection, feel the essence of the person you're with in that experience truly look like? And I think a lot of people haven't ever thought of it because maybe it's this, you know, fabled unicorn that we would never actually find rather than what if you started this whole conversation with just looking through the lens of intimacy is that aspect of am i truly being known and is my partner known alongside this because i think that's what intimacy is right yeah into me see right knowing what i want what i need what i crave but you're right so many people don't know what they don't know Mm -hmm. about intimacy or sexuality or their partner or their relationship or whatever. Um, this, this conversation also brings to mind a really great quote from Richard Rohr, who he was talking about spiritual matters, but I think that they apply to mm -hmm. sexual matters and relational matters too. He said, people don't see things as they are. They mm -hmm. see things as they are. Yep. It's their lens that they're yep. looking through. Totally. Yeah. And I think all of that, challenges us because we start to recognize or we need we need to be better at recognizing when i'm seeking something with my spouse am i clear about what that really is because i could easily throw it under the umbrella of oh, i'm just wanting intimacy well i'm saying that to a creature that may not have at all a clue what i mean by that right or, or just has a very different different definition totally yeah so it's so there's there's one way right there is just how do you start diving into this idea of What's, the, what's your definition and meaning of the word intimacy? What does that really mean? Because intimacy is just as likely to produce uncomfortable feelings as it is comfortable ones. <laughs> you know, because when I'm, when I'm exposed and when I'm seen for who I really am, it's likely it could be really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So the other one that comes to my mind too, and this is, this is one that you and I've talked a whole lot about, is just this whole concept of, it's an easy dovetail if we're talking about intimacy equating to sex. Well, what is sex? Because sex to me is not just penile vaginal intercourse. Right. But I think that's what everybody comes into this whole, well, that's what it means, right? Sex, that means penis entered vagina. Right. When it's really only a fraction. <laughs> totally. <laughs> See, totally. I define it as an exchange of sexual energy which can be done even just through flirting or mm -hmm. a sweet text or 
dropping off a, a little love note on their desk or something like it, it's the relationship as a whole that's sexual, mm -hmm. not just what one body part does to another body part under the covers at a certain time of night. Right. Right. Because I think it's, it's recognizing that sex is a, is a dynamic like you're describing. It's a, it's what separates the marriage relationship from all other relationships, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, it's also something that is, I think, ever present, at, at least as a dynamic and an energy and a, a context of where, I mean, from the way we're describing it, Shannon, when you're talking about the relationship that you have with your spouse, with your lover, you're always having sex. Exactly. <laughs> It, exactly. <laughs> it's like an exclusive language that you only speak to each other mm -hmm. because you don't get your feelings been out of shape if your coworker isn't paying enough attention to you. Right. Or, like it, we are so vulnerable in this relationship where we have so many expectations. Right. So would you say that those expectations are also one of the ways that we self-sabotage? Oh, totally. I think, I mean, that's where, We've, we've kind of landed on the idea that expectations are really just planned disappointments. <laughs> Say it any, again. Any, anytime I'm talking about an expectation of another human being, it's a planned disappointment because it's not going to get met. It's just not. Uh, we set this whole idealistic thing or this fantasy out there of this is what it'll actually be. And then it's not. And therefore, I'm, I'm disappointed. And, and that's the, the sucky thing about that whole conversation right there, Shannon, is how often do we have these huge high hopes. They're not met, but what actually happened was really, really good. But because it wasn't met, it didn't meet my hopes, I'm disappointed. Because it wasn't the exact shape to fit into the hole in our brains that right. we wanted to have filled. Right, and so I think it's how do you just get clearer about, because this, this, this whole, this point to me, anytime I have, tell me if this happens with you, but anytime I have this kind of conversation with other people or I'm, or I'm speaking, you immediately get the, well, then what are you supposed to shoot for? If I'm supposed to let go of my expectations, what do I do? Because if you think about it, in a lot of ways, expectations really do drive us. Well, expectations insinuates that we're going to be a little upset if they're not met. Can you substitute the word hope that we have certain hopes in the relationship, but I mean, yeah, I, it, you could, I, I kind of, I, I then come back a little bit further. And if I'm trying to, cause typically an expectation and where it becomes a planned disappointment is because I have an attachment to an outcome. Mm -hmm. I have this thought process that whatever it is we're going to have, and we're going to do, it will produce this. Right. And if it doesn't, that's when I'm hurt and disappointed and frustrated. Angry. Right. So if I was to back this up a little bit more, what am I really seeking in this? What's my real desire in this? Is it connection? Is it expressions of love? Is it passion? Is it energy? Is it just time? Is it, you know, and, the, and when I can get and do the heavy lifting of figuring out what are the nuances of what I'm actually trying to find or create with this expectation, I think I'm cleaner then in how I seek it because then it could be I make a move towards Pam because what I'm seeking is, is this connection. And I put it in my brain as well, intimacy equals sex. So therefore connection will happen by sex. So I'll just make a move for sex. And she's like, no, nah, I'm not in, I'm not in the mood right now. 
But if what I'm really seeking is connection and I'm more aware of that, I have a greater likelihood of I could pivot and go, well, then, hey, you want to go on a walk? You want to go play a card game? You want right. to hang out? You don't withdraw and pout and hopefully, right, and nurse your <laughs> wounds. You step back up to the plate and you try right. a new angle because, yeah, I think that it's so common for women that we need to feel that sexual connection before we're even remotely interested in sex. I think that right. that's how God wired the female brain, that if, if we were just willing to have sex at the drop of a hat with anybody who was trying, it would be quite the interesting world we would live in. But I think that men are the gas pedal when it comes to sex and women are the brakes when it comes to sex. And we have a need to feel that bond. Okay. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to pitch this to you just because I don't think I've ever had this conversation with you actually, because it's something I've just come across recently. What? We, we did like over 200 episodes and there was oh. a conversation we didn't have. That's yes. crazy. Well, that's the evolution of how we all keep <laughs> moving and changing. Well, it's such a complex topic. Totally. But you here's could, yeah. speaking, speaking as uh, from a man to a woman. Uh huh. Okay. I, I'm curious because I came across this thought process of a, women are innately attuned to when a man is interested in having sex or interested in having sex with her. Mm, that's very true. Okay. You, you can spot it a mile away when you're really just his next target or a piece of meat in his mind. Like there is, it is almost like a negative vibe. Mm -hmm. Literally, it feels slimy. It feels like you just want to go take a shower and mm -hmm. totally write this guy off. But there are certain men on the planet, though, who have really learned how to play the game, how to get those emotional needs met, which, you know, can be a very manipulative relationship. But in a marriage relationship, I would think that it, it's not manipulation as much as it is just playing the game in a healthy way. Well, sure. But I think that that even plays out in a marriage that I think a husband needs to be very attuned in his own desire or drive of, is it that I'm, what is what I'm looking for? I'm just looking for release and sex, or am I looking for sex with my wife? Because I think there's a huge difference between those two things, especially if he's the higher desire. Yeah. Because I think she picks up on the cues of you are just looking for the piece of meat. Right. Rather than you want to taste the sweetness in the essence of me in this experience. And that's a whole different ball game. Right. That, and that's where you get the women saying, but if I give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. So I don't even want him to touch me. I don't even want him to kiss me because they don't sense that he's really clamoring for connection with her. He's just clamoring for a garage to park his penis in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I think, I think that that's one of the things that really does get in the way of, if you start to look back at the conversation we had just a few minutes ago of the, if the level of sex I've have most of the time is under the category of functional or bad, that's probably a reason why is it's become one-sided. It's just about the physical side of it. It's not about the people. It's become usurious. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad that you came back around to that because there was a thought that I had that I wanted to toss out. Say what you just said again. Well, it's just that idea of, I think in marriage, a lot of times you can shoot yourself in the foot if you start to look at what is the sex we're having even worth wanting? Because it could be 
one of those where it's just a function of pleasure that's not really it the the people are interchangeable it's not the people right it's it's just the act and it's not it's not the deeper essence of ourselves it's a biological drive to get rocks off yes Okay, so what I was trying to remember to bring up in my brain, I have no idea what episode it was or what the topic was on that particular episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, but I will never forget having to like close my jaw to keep my mouth from just falling open the first time I heard you use the expression of uh, explaining to a husband, oh, she likes sex. She just (laughs) doesn't like sex with you. It's like, oh my gosh. That has right. to be true of, of so many, not just women, but so many spouses on the planet of they want sex mm-hmm. and they like sex. They enjoy sex, but mm-hmm. not with their partners yet. But I would like to think that listening to podcasts like ours could help them get to that place that they can evolve. Absolutely. And, and I think, and I think one of the things is just recognizing what are the things that I am doing that aren't appealing you know, that aren't enticing or your, your framework of aren't inviting and inspiring, right? Of, am I, am I just kind of using this as, well, you said I do, so you better do, right? What you signed up for. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's, so it's, how do I look at this through the lens of, okay, hold on. Would, and this, I love these kinds of questions of what I want to have sex with me. (laughs) <laughs> right, to, to truly, if I look at the course of my sexual history, especially in the short term, would I put myself as I am a, a good lover, a, a considerate, a, an aware, an, an engaged lover, a student right. of my partner's body and mind and spirit? And- right. And, well, you also have to couple in there, too, of am I aware of what I want in these moments, too? And am I bringing that to bear, too? Because I think the best sex... There's two categories I put it in that create the, great, the greatest sex. One is both parties are after what they want and what their partner wants at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right? That I, I want for you what you want and I want for me what I want. Right? Right. So, it's, so it's a little bit of that energy becomes very positive and engaging. And it's almost a competition, but it, it doesn't come across as competitive. It comes across as a collaboration. Right. And then the other component that creates great sex is, do you recover well? Because we can't always sustain a seamless in, in, you know, interlude with each other and exchange with each other because there's something's going to happen. You know? You're going you're gonna to lose your focus. You're going to get a cramp. You're going to get you know, some, something will happen. And do you recover and keep going? Because what I have found is the people that repeatedly hurt themselves is once one thing goes sideways, it's over. They catastrophize. Right. Well, this is what you always do. And I never get to experience this. And blah, blah, right. Whoa. Right. Rather than, okay, wait, grow up, relax, look at what's going on and say, okay, hold on. That didn't go well. Right. <laughs> but we, what you know, can I just, learn from it? I just lost that. So mm-hmm. how about we back up a little bit? Let's pick up where we were and let's see if we can kind of get the engine going again. And if we can't, we still got some valuable data about ourselves in this. And also to contribute to that point, I think that when an individual comes into, we always, I think, especially in Christendom, we've always heard that sex is really about being a good lover to your mate. It's all about 
taking care of them and ministering to their needs. But the reality is, is that we do need to know what we want, what mm -hmm. we enjoy in order to communicate that. Because if we don't, we will wind up feeling disillusioned and disappointed. I love what Shirley McLean said. Uh, she said, I've had five husbands in my lifetime. And in between those husbands, I've had numerous lovers. And what I've come to realize is who you really go to bed with at the end of the day is yourself. Mm -hmm. You've got to know yourself. And if you're having a good time in that sexual experience, your partner's going to be far more likely to feel like they're having a good time too. This is not just about right. you're there for them. But I think that that's why women look at this whole marital dynamic of, oh, well, this is just my duty to have sex with him because she doesn't, she's not stepping up to the plate and taking ownership of what she perceives could be fun and pleasurable and communicating that and inspiring him to to meet that need. Yeah, she's she's not a, she's not recognizing and claiming her own superpowers that, that she's true. got <laughs> in the in the depths of who she is and in her brain and the way her body's wired and and actually because this is I mean research and science continues to confirm that if you talk about if you took societal pressure and you know religious dogma guilt and family silence and you know all the Same different stuff that. Mm -hmm. that just squashes desire so quickly and you put it on an equal playing field as far as sexuality of adam and eve eve's got a whole lot more capacity than adam <laughs> i mean well, I, 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 eve, as far as the energy goes eve has twice as many nerve endings in her genitals yep. as adam did in his she yep. has three times more ways to have an orgasm and yep. she doesn't have a refractory period like he does. So yes, Correct. the female body is designed to have far more sexual pleasure than even the man does. I found it very interesting how we have strayed away from our Jewish roots that in Christendom, that mentality is, well, this is just a woman's duty. Just mm -hmm. go through with it because it's better than being homeless is what one woman told her daughter. It's like, wow, what a sex talk. Right. <laughs> But that um, according to Jewish tradition, it is the woman's right to be sexually satisfied. And if she's not, she has the right to divorce. You've heard me say many times, I'm not prescribing it. I'm only describing it. Right. The thing, isn't it interesting that according to Jewish custom, sex is all about the woman. It's right. all about her pleasure. Right. I totally believe that if she's having a really great time, he will too. Oh, well, that's. Yeah, if you go, if you go, just kind of what's inferred from Song of Solomon, nothing turns on a man more than a turned-on woman. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, in that regard, I guess women would be the gas pedal. <laughs> I hope. I mean, I think if you could just start to see people that that truly do embrace this aspect of ourselves, yeah. and realize it's not something to be, you know, shamed and guilted and and squashed it's something to be i mean i gotta honor it and i've gotta i've gotta treat it with the sacredness that it is and steer it well because this is where we get off the rails in a lot of the conversations that i have with the whole oh well you're just talking about anything goes and i'm like no i'm talking about steering things in good god honoring health marriage honoring ways is to the benefit of my marriage and my relationship and Absolutely. So it's all about the idea of, in my case, Pam is my outlet. All my, all my sexual energy is steered towards her, but she is not the cause of all of my sexual energy. 
because I live, I live among people. (laughs) So, so things, things will, Oh, that's, that's kind of an intriguing, Oh, there's a little T. Oh, Hey, now where's Pam? You know? And so it's just harness that energy and bring it home to her and steer it. And I think if you can start to recognize that's the powers of the, 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 the way we are created, Mm -hmm. right. Of, we are, there's triggers that get us going and I don't need to take offense to the triggers. I need to take offense to what are they done? Where do they go? Right. And to piggyback on that, I also think that another expectation, since that's the topic that we're dancing around right now, the expectation that my partner should never be aroused by anything other than the thought of having sex with me, or my partner should never notice anything or never uh, you know, fantasize about anything other than me. What's your take on that expectation? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how that works for you. <laughs> right. Well, because even if you took the scriptures literal of, okay, gouge your eyes out, you still have a reservoir of memories and thoughts and things that are in there that will just all of a sudden pop up to the level of consciousness and you're like, whoa. And so it's just a question of, it's not about what comes into my head. It's what do I do with it? Well, and we also have to remember that gouging out your eye thing. Jesus wasn't speaking literally. I so know. Why should we take it literally? <laughs> I totally I, get it. I, I've had my soapbox on this show about okay. Matthew 5 and what Jesus really meant there. Okay. So the concept of wi- women are the breaks prior to sexual juices flowing. But once sexual juices start flowing then she's the gas pedal. I just want to remind everybody what we talked about on a few episodes ago with Dr. Michael Seitzma about how women develop a hunger and an appetite for pleasure after the touch ball has started rolling. Okay. She is not going to just sit there and out of the clear blue sky say, you know what? I think I'm horny. Let's go have some sex. I mean, she might, but Mm -hmm. you know, that would be, that would be far more likely for the man to say than for the woman to say, but keeping in mind that, you know what, it doesn't matter whether it happens before you walk into the bedroom or after you've already gotten naked and under the covers, just make it happen as often as you can. Cause this is, this is something couples so need. They right. need, I mean, this is, this is what sets marriages apart is that, that connection, that intimacy, that pleasure, that euphoria. Uh, right. You don't have that with your friends and your coworkers and your parents and your kids, only with your parents. Another expectation, talk to me about couples who expect that things should always be as good as they were when we were dating or first married. Yeah, good luck. Um, <laughs> and, well, actually, not even that. Why would I want what I had then when what I have now is so much deeper? And That's more a profound? great way to put it. You know, because there's so, I mean, Pam and I are 27 years into this thing now. And the woman I'm with now is not the woman I married. She is so much more refined and strong. And I mean, so it's just, I didn't even know what I was doing when we first got married. Neither did she, you know, we're figuring this whole thing out on the floor. And, you know, we don't even know, we haven't even touched, scratched the surface of what we're capable of. And I still think that's probably true now, but I don't get, and we don't get as fearful of, oh, well, that didn't go well. Oh, you know, of this whole idea of I have to perform or disappoint, you know, all this kind of thing rather than, no, I can understand why we have this illusion of I want to go back to what it was and taste that again, because that's all under the auspices of my memory of nostalgia and it was easy. And 
You didn't right? have to work so hard to make it happen. Right. And likely it's because one, you're still high back then, yeah. you know, chemically speaking, but two, you maybe weren't even living together. So you didn't have the chance to truly get under each other's skin and drive each other crazy like naturally comes with marriage. I mean, right. I think, I think everyone should reach the point of rolling over at some point in the morning and going, who are you? And what are you doing in my bed? What have I, I done? Yeah, I might've made a mistake. And there's, <laughs> there's actually a quote, I can't remember who to attribute this to, but there's the quote that talks about the, the moment you think you might've married the wrong person is when marriage really begins. Right. <laughs> I totally agree. All right. So um, you may have a different self-sabotaging tactic that you want to talk about and I want to give you the freedom to do so, but I also have another one on my list that I want to hear go. you address. Okay, yes, so go. criticism. Okay. When one person isn't getting their expectations met because of the lens that they look through is different than the lens that their partner looks through, what does criticism do to the quality of the relationship? Well, so it probably comes down to how do you define that word first? Because criticism, if I am, you know, I could say something about a dynamic and the impact that, that's happening between Pam and I, and it could, be, it could be heard as critical. But I could also say the same thing about her as a character flaw or defect or something that, and then that's a different level of criti critical, right? So, because I think we... I mean, this is one of the four horsemen that Gottman talks about, yeah. right? Is, is criticism, a relationship. criticism is an important one to recognize because criticism will lead to contempt and contempt is the death nail of, of a relationship. Mm -hmm. But, but I think there are times where critic, I'm critically thinking about what goes on and I deal, and I've landed in the, uh, this arena of, I need to talk about the dynamic not about the other person helping co-create that dynamic. So it would be along the lines of, I feel like, and let's, I'm going to take it out of the sex arena just because it's a little less volatile. Sure. You know, that, that when, when I'm married to somebody, let's say that it repeatedly gives me the time they're going to be coming home and they never make that time. It's late. You know, they're, they're repeatedly 30 minutes to an hour late. So I could come at him with the criticism of you can never keep time. You can never, you know, all that. Or I could do more of the impact of, you know what? I've got a problem. The fact that I can't count on, I know when you're going to show up. Mm. That could be heard as criticism, but it's not an attack. It's a criticism of the dynamic. Well, you took ownership of it by saying, I have a problem. Mm -hmm. So okay. I think... Criticism really just comes down to, have I done the gut check work before I bring up what matters and what, what's bothering me to keep it in my lane, to keep it in my sphere, rather than it's an attack about another person's character. Because yeah. I, think, I think we can be critical of somebody and it's also a judgment statement. Right. But if I can be, if, but, but I, if I can be clearer about, look, this is how it's impacting me, then if my partner views that as criticism, that's up to them. Mm -hmm. And then they have to put on their big boy boxers and big girl panties and right. deal with that. Right. I'm often telling couples that on a, a very basic level, we are all Pavlov's dog and we will always respond better to positive reinforcement sure. than to negative criticism. 
Sure. And the way to inspire rather than require is that positive affirmation. So can you give us an example of someone using positive affirmation to get what they want instead of negative or not really negative affirmation, but negative criticism <laughs> to manipulate. I don't know if I have a, an example that comes right off the top of my head, but I go back to the conversation we had just a few minutes ago of if I was to look at how I handle my dynamic, am I manipulative or am I somebody that is trying to make a positive spin to go forward towards something? Cause that would help me answer the question of what I want to have sex with me. But I want to be in a relationship with me. Because um, I think it's just recognizing, because you know, you know full well, I believe there's two halves of us in the sense that we've got the, the side of goodness that you could almost put into the, it's the image of God, the, the God created center of us. Mm -hmm. But then we also have what the Bible would refer to as the flesh. But I think that's a little, it's not all evil, but mm -hmm. we do have things within us that are evil. Sure. Right. And we do Selfish. have things that, that are deceitful and, and I love um, Schnarch's statement of, I have to recognize that in marriage, um, I live with a sadistic tyrant and a, an, an emotional terrorist. And then there's my spouse to deal with too. Right? <laughs> that person <laughs> so, is you. <laughs> yes. And so I think it's just kind of recognizing <laughs> what are the links that I will go to, to get what I want or to let it be known I didn't get what I want versus, okay, wait, that hurt. How do I do this cleaner? How do I do it from a more positive spin? Because it's not like I'm trying to convince somebody because at the end of the day, if I have to talk my spouse into sex, that sex is not going to be good. Right. Well, right? and I, I think that so many couples have settled for that mediocre sex or even crappy mm -hmm. sex for so long mm -hmm. that one or both of them really don't have a vision for anything different. It's always discombobulating to the spouse that gets brought in to the office to say, I want more. And th that they're sitting there going, what does more even look like? Th th they, right. they have settled for so, so long. Well, see, that's what's so funny there is because of that frame. That's the framework of higher and lower to me that a lot of times the spouse is bringing in the lower desire spouse to be fixed because mm. right? they're the ones that are broken, but it could very well be the lower desire spouse has the clearer picture of the sex that they're having isn't worth wanting. Right. So then you got to call into question the judgment of the higher desire spouse on why they want multiple helpings of really bad sex. Right. And the quality of the relationship is often merely echoed in the quality yep. or lack thereof in yep. the second relationship. Yep. I could go on and on forever. Oh, totally. I, I, <laughs> I love unpacking these. You know, I, I, w I do want to close with this particular thought. I asked you for an example and one came up into my head. So okay. I just know that people remember stories. So I know that in the evenings, I usually enjoy having a nice dinner ready when Charlie gets home from work. And now I've been working all day too, but that's just about like to feed is healthy and all that jazz. But recently I had a really bad, just crappy day, just one challenge after another, after another. And I had no bandwidth for what's for dinner. What do we need to do to get it ready? All that stuff. Mm -hmm. And in my crabbiness, I thought about saying, why do I always have to be the one to mm -hmm. do? Why can't, you know, I've been working all day too. Why don't you plan a meal or two? But I bit my tongue and 
within probably 15 or 20 minutes after making that decision of I'm just not going to say anything because right now I just can't say anything nice just because I'm so crabby. Charlie came up and was like, I see that you need to keep working. Can I bring you some dinner, my darling? And literally just went and got out leftovers and heated them up and brought them on a tray. And it's like, I think I will tell him how much this meant to me so Mm -hmm. that he catches the vision that anytime you want to do this, babe, I will welcome it. <laughs> you will get more of what you want through positive affirmation okay. than you that works. through negative criticism. Sure. So any other final thoughts on these? So the three that I have is uh, look at what lens you look at intimacy and the relationship through. Yep. And look at what your expectations are and consider that your mate's expectations may be different than yours. And avoid criticism wherever possible, because I love what you said. Criticism leads to contempt. So very true. Mm -hmm. Look for a positive way to get your needs met rather than taking it from a negative angle. Cause no one likes to be criticized. Let's just be real. (laughs) Nobody handles that very well. Maybe an athlete in training when his coach, but not in marriage. No, no. And especially in sex. Ooh, that can be devastating to one. (laughs) Yeah. Possibly, yeah, they could derail things pretty quickly. You gotta tell us about where to find more about Sexy Marriage Radio, and do you guys have any cool things that you're doing with your audience right now that my audience needs to be aware of? Well, yeah, so my online home uh, is smrnation.com. That's where you find anything I've written, all the shows. We're coming up on nine years, October 2020, of this thing being on the air. so it's just been fascinating to, to have it still going. Um, there's a membership that goes along with it if you want to get deeper into this. Um, and then we also just had a product come out called uh, The State of Our Union, which is a weekly prompt to have conversations about deeper things under the surface, not just the surface of the relationship. So it's just little touch points that, uh, so it's, it's comes via text message. You set up the time that you want it to show up and you and your spouse both get that text at the same time. And it walks you through, so get five, 10 minutes and have that quick conversation to touch point deeper. And then the next week, another one will come and there'll be different ones throughout the whole year. And you get a year's worth of meaningful conversations that, that can help just, I mean, Pam and I've been doing this for a while now and it just helps create such a different feel to the relationship. Yeah, I I can imagine that is such a great tool for both men and women, because for men, it's a reminder that I need to converse with my wife on a deep Mm -hmm. level about something other than just sex. And uh, I want to encourage everybody, don't do what you often do and open up a text and read it and then put it down and forget about it. (laughs) Don't even open that thing up until you are ready to your mate about it so that you'll remember it's there. So good for you guys. Keep up the God work. I know that you and Pam have a lot of time and energy and prayer and blood, sweat, and tears invested in your movement. And I was so privileged to have been a part of that for so long and just wish you absolutely nothing but the best. So want to thank everybody for listening in for another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends. If you would like to chime in on the conversation or ask a specific question or make a suggestion for a future topic, you can email us at ontap at shannonetheridge.com or you can call us at 321-30-ON-TAP. We love you for listening and we thank you for tapping on us.